fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side. Never turn to the dark side. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. So be it, Jedi. Welcome. To the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone and welcome back to the exciting episode of the wampus lair podcast this is episode number 356 the jedi have returned i'm as always one of your hosts jason hunt and with me the mon mothma and Crix may deem to my admiral akbar we've got katie horn and carl leclerc i don't realize I, why did i say that backwards today i don't know i'm out of sorts it's fine <laughs> That's all right, because one of us is painting on a beard, so. <laughs> so you can match your toy. Yeah, even good old Crix can't apparently grow a real beard. He's got to paint it on. So. I just, that you is know, true. I, I have to, I regretfully inform you guys that many Bothans died to bring us this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can see here, the podcast orbiting the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> Oh, so we are we are continuing yet again, trudging forward into that journey to the rise of Skywalker by looking at episode six, Return of the Jedi in the episode for this week. Um, um, so after that last trailer, it do, really does feel like a trudge. Like, why can't it be here already? <laughs> exactly. <sighs> right. Exactly. And yet, like, it's coming so soon. I don't know what to do. You guys. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah, I, I am so excited to to talk Return of the Jedi again with with this particular lens. But before we do, we have uh, a couple of new iTunes reviews, so I want to share one of them on our episode this week because again, this is always so wonderful when folks take the time to write us a review. And this one comes from Leia, my hero, who we met Aww. at Celebration Chicago, and she is Aww. wonderful. Um, And she says, Jason, Katie, and Carl are the perfect podcast team. Every episode is so much fun. I really enjoy their discussions and how they bring their own perspectives in a positive way. I love their humor and the pure joy they have for all things Star Wars. Met them at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, and they were all so nice to me and my crew. Thanks for giving us this great podcast. Oh, no, thank you for listening. And thank yeah. you for the nice words. And thank you for being lovely when we met you in person. Just no, th- thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. And 
the perfect podcast team? I ah. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I will take the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Though. Thank you so much for the kind words. And that it was wonderful meeting you guys at, at Celebration Chicago. And um, I'm just glad we didn't make a fool of ourselves, you know, in front of people in public, you know. Not this time. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, that's, that's so good. Yes, yeah, so, no, and, and 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 it was so great hanging out with her and and her and her partner and their other friends at celebration. And of course, Katie, like you, they're they're in Sacramento, which is awesome. Um, so at some point, we'll have to all hang out together next time we're all in California. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, um, but Jason, we had a poll from two weeks ago. Obviously, we didn't quite get to it last week because there was a bit of a trailer to discuss mm. um, yeah. that you know that broke all of our our tear ducts wide open. And uh, real quick, Katie, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm better. Okay. Just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> we're, somehow we're gonna get through this. We gotta we gotta make it to you know to the actual movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've listened to so many like other podcasts about it and you know i've just taken in a lot of people's you know opinions and stuff and just everybody in this fandom is so smart and i yes. just like i i don't know it's really helped me process how what i'm feeling and and all of my thoughts and everything is really, you know, looking at other people's opinions have really helped me shape my own. So, you know, I encourage people to do that, you know, listen to lots of different thoughts and gobble up all those different reactions because they're certainly out there. You know, every, everyone has something to say about this teaser. That's, that's for sure. Oh, and there's so much to say about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, obviously a couple of weeks ago we, we took a, we took the chance to talk about some of our favorite favorite things in our own personal collection and which kind of elicited this this great poll where we asked all of you what what is your favorite sort of Star Wars item to collect um and as always you all had lots to say um Jason what did that break down to what did that look like yeah. Yes. Well, uh, people had a lot of very specific things in some cases. Uh, I did sort of categorize them into larger categories here for the purposes of the poll. Otherwise, I would basically be reading every single uh, response. Um, so some of these are categorized in, in larger chunks. So just keep that in mind, folks, if you don't hear yours specifically. Uh, but in seventh place is one vote each. We've got uh, film frames. We've got posters, armor kits, uh, art prints, the movies, trading cards, micro machines, magazines, uh, random knowledge, and uh, someone mentioned the Star Wars M M&M and M crossover products that they did several years back. So what? <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I think I know what they're talking about. That's that so was, weird, though. <laughs> that was like came out during uh, Revenge of the Sith time frame. So that was it was some. Funny Star Wars M&M products for those of you who were curious. Anyways, continuing on, in sixth place with two votes each, uh, we've got T-shirts. We've got friends. Thank you, Jazz, for starting that trend on our uh, poll responses. And then we also have uh, collector cups. Uh, In fifth place with three votes, we've got Funko Pops, 
comics and video games. In fourth place with four votes, we've got uh, props, uh, prop replicas, so lightsabers, helmets, blasters, that sort of thing, uh, and uh, good memories. So a lot of people were adding, I collect good memories and experiences. So I was like, okay, we'll make that its own category. No, that's uh, really sweet, though. Because it I was. Think, well, that's the thing. I think sometimes we forget that you don't really necessarily have to spend money to enjoy your fandom. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and sometimes people, you know, without, you know, lots of money to spend on their fandom can kind of feel left out. But, you know, collecting memories and discussions and stuff and, and things that are free are just as valid as, like, these huge, expensive collections, right? Uh, it's very yeah, true. Great point. Yeah. Uh, but getting on to huge, expensive collections. <laughs> uh, in third place, uh, with eight votes, we've got Lego. Hmm. That's expensive, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, in second place with 10 votes, we had books. Uh, and then in first place with 17 votes, no one's surprised, we've got action figures. And that includes, you know, black series, three and three quarter inch, vintage to current, everything that was action figure I put into that. So, um, but yeah, that was that was where we sat. Action figures still number one in Star Wars collectors' hearts. Yeah. So makes sense to me. It's it's how it's so many of us have had the opportunity to tell our Star Wars stories. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, and I think that's indifferent to whether or not you had a large collection of action figures or just a handful, um, you know, and, you know, <laughs> even if you didn't have Star Wars figures, you you played Star Wars even if you just had to grab some G.I. Joes, Barbies, whatever. Didn't matter. <laughs> like <laughs> you played Star Wars with what was available. <laughs> um, that's that's true. Now I want to go play big Star Wars again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which costs nothing, Katie. Sticks from the forest. Exactly. Those are free yes. lightsabers. Yes. <laughs> yes. We could just go in the backyard and lift rocks. Damn right. <laughs> yes. Jason, throw that for a second. I'll 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 put my hand up like I moved it. <laughs> oh, yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. And it's floating around. And then you threw it, right? Whoosh. Across the yard. Oops. There's the window. Oops. Uh, oh, no. Uh, I didn't do it. Carl did it. <laughs> Carl did it. <laughs> he I'm used the force. That's not how the force works. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, goodness. Well, um we will have a very fun uh Return of the Jedi themed matchup for you at the end of this episode. So as always, stick around for that. Um but you know, my friends Return of the Jedi is kind of a kind of an important film in the Skywalker saga, I would say. What do you what do you think? Is this is this kind of just a shrug it off type film or or Yeah, you, you can skip it. Just skip, skip it. it yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never ever ever skip Return of the Jedi. No, I, I mean like I have my own machete order <laughs> where you you watch the prequels three times in a row and yeah. then you cut Return of the Jedi and just move on. Perfect. I mean, <laughs> well, Katie, you probably want to throw in a holiday special in, in its place, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. For it's, sure. it's critical, critical yeah. to understanding the saga. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are joking, but it's still... <laughs> Jason's still... Bra- yes, Jason's still broken. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, uh, th- this movie, you know, it's, uh, it's so much. And obviously, we're, we're reaching this point now, right, in our journey... Where we are, we are finishing out the the Lucasian saga, 
and looking ahead to what's next. And, and this movie, I know for me, really ties everything up into such a beautiful, neat bow. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, in a couple of weeks looking at Force Awakens and unpacking what what undo, un, what undoes this beautiful package that is Return of the Jedi. Um, but one thing, you know, just what I was thinking about a ton as, as I rewatched the movie the other uh, tonight and and made some notes earlier today. Um, and I know we've been kind of, you know, joshing around with this this moment from Attack of the Clones for a bit. But I got to play it one more time because it plays out a ton for how I see Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. We have Anakin with this full statement. Oop, forgot to turn the volume up. That, that, that's <laughs> a problem. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Try again. Possession is forbidden. Compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is central to a Jedi's life. And so you might say that we are encouraged to love. And that's it for me. You know, I mean, I know we'll go into more detail, but Return of the Jedi to me is the story of how compassion wins. Um, and compassion manifested as love. That is what Return of the Jedi is to me. And that's why I love this movie so freaking much is it really shows us the power of compassion and what it can do for characters and what it can do for people. Most specifically, Anakin Skywalker. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm trying not- really hard to to keep Huey Lewis in the news uh, from busting out real quick. Um, that's the power of love. Oh, Sorry. that I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I, didn't, I had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I want to go watch Back to the Future. Like, come on, <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> uh, um, I'm sorry. Anyways, but yes, there's a lot of 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 what that pays off here in Return of the Jedi. Getting back to your your point, Carl. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean. I'd, I made my point. The story is all okay. about compassion winning. I'm done. I have nothing else to say. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to build on that, absolutely. I, we're just going to skip right to the end of the movie. That's cool. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, well, it's kind of the best part because it really is. You know, that's that's the payoff. Before we had a sequel trilogy, that, that was the payoff of the six-film saga was that it took six movies for a Jedi to finally – put down their weapon. You know what I mean? Like it, that, that was Yoda's failing even in attack of the clones, you know, when he came up against his, his, his apprentice, you know what I mean? He, Yoda could have theoretically cared about Dooku every bit as much as Anakin cared about Luke. Right. You know, you, you raise this young boy, you know, and you train him up and you see him become a man and, you know, but Yoda drew a blade against him because, well, you're a Sith now, so I'm done with you, right? Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happens with like Obi Wan and Anakin. You're a Sith now, so I'm done with you. And it and it finally, finally, a Jedi is like, I'm not gonna fight anymore, and that's what wins, you know. And and I think it's so important that uh, um, that we we remember uh, some of the some of the stuff from the. Um, uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel, like specifically, uh, when uh, Anakin 
um, you know, it finally becomes Vader and he's attuned in the suit and he's thinking about, you know, this is what my life is from now on. You know, he's thinking about how the dark side forgives him. The dark side, you know, understands him in a way that the Jedi don't, you know, that the light side has rejected him. And but the dark side is just going to let him be terrible and not judge him for it. You know, he he's in a way afraid to go back to the light side. And and I think that that is a lot of what the dark side is. The dark side makes you feel like you can't be understood by the light. If you go back to the good side, they're going to find you wanting and reject you and turn you away. But then Luke takes that and flips it all on its ear. You know, when he looks at his father and what he's become and forgives him. You know, the the light side does not, in fact, find him wanting. The light side forgives him and loves him. As we keep pointing out, we are encouraged to love. You know, mm-hmm. Luke has that compassion, and that's what saves Anakin. You know, we, we, we finally answered that question from all the way back in the prequel trilogy of what does it mean to be a Jedi? It means that we have compassion for even the worst of us, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and and that's a big question moving forward now is mm-hmm. is what does it mean to be a Jedi? What does that mean for Ray? You know, will will this will this come back into play for Ray? You know, will will Luke be able to impart that on to her after they left on not so amicable terms? You know, it, it, it's you know I, I I'm assuming they're still going to be able to have connection and discussion, but you know it's it's. He wasn't necessarily the nicest person last time they talked. Uh, so, um, how how does that question get answered in the Rise of Skywalker? What does it mean to be a Jedi? Because you know it, it, this kind of ties into to something I wrote down here, and this is we are going to be moving into the Rise of Skywalker into Return of the Jedi again. You know, or are we? We don't know. Are the Jedi coming back? Is something else taking their place? And what all does that mean? How? How? What? What does that mean to Ray, who is going to be carrying that torch forward um, in this in this movie? You know, it, it's like, is the Jedi going to be a formalized order again? Is it going to be more of a of a nomadic thing? We're back at square one again, like we were in Return of the Jedi with the rebirth of something. How is that going to to track moving forward? And what does that mean for the person holding that torch? Because Luke changed the Jedi Order from where it was during the prequels. At least his ideals were a little bit different, maybe not. Or maybe a little purer than what the the order was operating under during the prequel trilogy when he took that that torch forward and you know threw down his weapon uh, against the emperor and restored his father to the light side. You know what 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 does that do with Rey moving forward in the rise of Skywalker? How does she carry that torch? What does that mean to her? And is she going to change? The, the lessons at all you know that that's the big question moving forward something that we don't have any information to answer at this point obviously (laughs) 
We can speculate wildly, though. Oh, and and as Star Wars fans, we do that. Yes. A lot. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting how you know Luke goes to Yoda, and you know, and he's like, "Oh, then I, I am a Jedi, right?" And, and and it's not until the end that that Luke takes up that name for himself, you know, and says, "I I am a Jedi, like my father before me." It it makes me wonder if kind of all along it, it was, you know, the, it sounds kind of cheesy. Oh, the Jedi was in you all along, but it, you know, nobody can make you a Jedi. Only you can make you a Jedi. You know, that's what Anakin wanted way back in the Phantom Menace. You know, I want to leave and become a Jedi, but kind of wasn't he one all along? You mm. know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, nobody. Yeah, there's no wise old wizard out in the desert who can make you a Jedi. You know, try. Or, there is no try, right? You know, yeah. do or do not. Be a Jedi or don't. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think you know the thing I love about Luke's kind of interaction with Yoda and Obi Wan on Dagobah in this movie is mm-hmm. ultimately that Luke has grown beyond what they have taught him, right? Like what's exactly yeah. what Yoda says to him in last Jedi, you know, we are what they grow beyond. And Luke has grown kind of beyond the, uh, the, the expectations that Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of have for the future. Now, to be fair, Yoda never says anything about Luke having to kill his father, right? He just says, you have to confront him. That's it. Right. Yoda, mm-hmm. Yoda yeah. makes it clear that Luke's f- final, path to becoming a Jedi is simply that he confront his father and, you know, confront him, you will, <laughs> you know, and, and Yoda's, Yoda's kind of right in that regard, right? Because it is Luke's confrontation with his father that gives him that pure awakening to what it means to be a Jedi. But, you know, when he has that conversation with Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan is still very broken by what happened in the prequels, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, you still have this man, you know, 20 odd years later, who thinks, who thinks very little of Anakin, right? He's more machine now than man. I mean, even in that, clo- you know, in the, the episode from Rebels where he strikes down Maul and Maul says, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan says yes, regarding Luke. Um, mm. Luke has, or Obi-Wan has just shoved Anakin aside. Anakin's dead. Darth Vader's all that exists. And Luke, as our new hope, has to slay the new monster. But Luke sees beyond that. Luke knows that there is something more. Um, to his father. He, he, he won't simply kill him. And I really like that. That, that. that is something that Luke has to be reminded of, you know, a few episodes later is that, you know, just like he grew beyond the expectations of his masters, he, he fails to see how, you know, his nephew or now this new person, Ray, could grow beyond what his limited view is. Um, so, so I really like those moments there. Um, between him and Yoda and Obi-Wan and, you know, in that connection that he obviously feels to his sister, um, mm. you know, that, mm. that's mm-hmm. going to become a, a pretty, pretty important aspect of this story is the relationship of Luke and Leia. Um, and to be fair, musically speaking, it's the first film with, where the two of them get a theme, right? Luke has yeah. a theme from episode four on. Leia has a theme in episode four. Han and Leia have a theme in episode five. Well, now Luke and Leia have a theme because there's something about their bond that is very important to to this Skywalker story. Um, so I love that that gets flushed out here. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. And and uh, to to 
piggyback off of that for just a quick second, I, I was just watching that scene where he reveals that he's that you know their brother and sister in the Ewok village, and you know she she's tra- trying to get Luke to 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 stay and not go confront Vader, and she's talking about the Force, and she says, "You have a power I I could never understand." I, I power don't have and could never understand. Yeah. And and then of course in Last Jedi we see that's that's not entirely true anymore. So <laughs> Right. She she does grow and is able to to tap into that power and to use that power and stuff. And it's nice to see that get paid off. And I wonder if I wonder if we'll get any more of that. Because she's touched the force in each of the sequel movies. You mm-hmm. know, she mm-hmm. she felt Han die in um Force Awakens. She used the Force spectacularly in uh, Last Jedi. Be interesting to see what she does if she fades into you know the Force if she dies in Rise of Skywalker. You know, just interested to see what happens um, with Leia, what she can do with the Force. For sure. Um, in this um, one, there's something. Uh, I, I do want to go back to something earlier from Jabba's Palace, but uh, sure. B- well, before we do, just since we're kind of in this Dagobah moment stuff with with Luke and whatnot, um, I think it's also really important to point out this is the moment where Luke learns he's the last Jedi, right? Like that's not mm. that's that's no small potatoes. Um, <laughs> Luke yeah. has you know, and, and Yoda's dying dying lesson, dying mandate in a way is that Luke pass on what he learned. And that comes directly in the context of Yoda revealing that there's another Skywalker. The Force is strong in your family. Pass on what you've learned. So it, it's almost as if Yoda is telling Luke directly in that moment, teach your sister. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think, I, like you just said, Jason, I mean, it's, it's clear that he's taught Leia something. You know, and, and, and we've already gotten, we've gotten evidence of Leia having the Force twice in uh, the original trilogy. We get it at the yep. end of Empire when she can hear Luke calling to her. And yep. we get it again, obviously, at the end of this film where, you know, I'm sure Luke wasn't on that thing. He wasn't. I could feel it. You know, yeah. um, like that that what we just heard in the, the Rise of Skywalker trailer last week. It's it's a feeling, an intuition. Finn tells us what the force kind of is. Leia has that. And Luke clearly helped her hone it in some way, shape or form as as evidenced in what we saw in Last Jedi. Um. So I think it's really important that Yoda um, – and, and I think this is, this is what built you know, an entire canon in the Legends universe of what Luke does with that mandate from Yoda and which then weighed down on, on lots of us with expectations of who Luke ought to be in the sequel trilogy and, and led to a lot of disappointment, um, you know, which is fair. Um, but I think you know, in this moment, Luke is getting – a very tall order with being instructed to, you know, carry on the legacy of the Jedi because in that particular moment, Luke knows very little about the Jedi. And yet right at the end of the film, like you've, like you've said, Katie, he understands the kind of the purity of what a Jedi is. So who better to pass on what he's learned than Luke Skywalker you know, he's not going to be mired by the dogmatic traditions of the prequel Jedi. He's going to be able to create something new and different. Um, and um, and I can't wait to hear 
how that all went, right? Like we, we haven't gotten those stories yet. We know we did. I mean, we're told in Force Awakens that Luke started a Jedi Academy. Uh, we learn more about how it fell apart in Last Jedi. Um, we're going to learn more about that. So Luke does do that, um, but it comes undone because it's always family drama. <laughs> So. <laughs> that Skywalker, Skywalker family drama. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, wanna, that family wanna, cannot catch a break. No, gosh, I, I do. I want to piggyback off of what we're talking about here um, to talk about actually Ben Solo a little bit. You know, this mandate to pass on what you've learned. Um, you know, we, we've seen in some of the, um, you know, bonus material that, uh, uh, you know, like books and comics and stuff that Leia did try to learn some of this Force stuff from Luke. It never really resonated with her. Like, I think it was in Bloodline where she, like, tried to sit down and meditate and mm. she, like, tried to connect with a tree and she's like, I never feel the tree. It's like, <laughs> I never. <laughs> she just, she just, it's just <laughs> not her jam, which is fine. It's valid, Leia. You do you, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it seems to me very likely that Luke Skywalker, you know, he's like, well, if this stuff doesn't resonate with Leia, then, you know, if the force is strong in my family, then I need to pass it on to her son. Um, you know, because that mighty Skywalker blood, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then what's interesting to me is that in all of the extra material that we've gotten about young Ben Solo is that he never expressed an interest in being a Jedi in learning the force either. Um, you know, like, I think like with Leia, it just wasn't his jam. And in fact, I think it was in Last Shot, or maybe it was Bloodline. I don't know. Somebody listening is screaming, <laughs> like, <laughs> because they know the answer and I don't. But um, it was, you know, little Ben Solo would run around with his father's dice and tell everybody who would listen that he was going to be a pilot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like the, the Solo movie, you know, I'm going to be a pilot, best in the galaxy, right? Like, that's what Ben Solo wanted more than anything. And I get the feeling that nobody cared what Ben Solo wanted because it's your destiny to be a Jedi. And Luke's like, it's my destiny to pass this stuff on to you, mm. you know? And, but then of course a Jedi's life is one of duty and service. And so we've, it seems that Luke brought the Jedi right back to where, where they were in the prequels where, you know, duty is, the be all end all of a Jedi's life. You know, we have to let go of our pride and do what is requested of us. You know, that's what Anakin says in, in attack of the clones, right? Yep. Yeah. He says that. And, uh, and I can, I can so easily imagine Luke Skywalker saying that to Ben solo where Ben's like, well, I want to go be a pilot. And Luke just looking at him and saying, well, sometimes we have to let go of our pride and do what's requested of us. You have mm. to come learn, be it, you know, learn and pass on all my Jedi teachings for me. Like, you know, I don't know. That's just a fan theory. That's just me kind of going off. But that's kind of kind of what I think might have happened. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I I, I really appreciate that point because something and also something must have uh, triggered Luke to to bring Ben in because, you know, if you've read the and, and I know it's meant to be kind of fantastical, but that kind of YA book about the the legends of luke skywalker or whatever i can't remember the title mm. do either of you know mm -hmm. what i'm talking about i think it's uh uh hold on yeah i know the one you're talking about okay. i just i, I, I think it's i think it's actually the legends of luke skywalker right yeah um, but in that we get a lot about how luke's kind of adventures are ultimately just trying to learn more about the jedi learn more about the force right so he's kind of on 
this solitary quest to learn more, almost as if he wants to be responsible before starting something. Um, and yet it seems that as soon as he does get things going, you know, he kind of does fall back into what was done before. Um, and obviously we don't know that yet, right? That's a speculation. We, we don't know. We don't know what his, right. what his academy was about. We don't know how he runs it. And, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that we will learn. Um, but I think it would make sense that you go back to what you thought might have worked, even if it didn't. Um, right, right. And, and again, like Luke's failure, because he does fail, but, you know, the greatest teacher failure is. Um, but more mm. than that, like, it's also important to have compassion for Luke's failure because he also had a ridiculously tall order. And that's why yeah. I think that this scene is so important. You know, what Yoda is saying to Luke is just so damn heavy. Right. That's a lot to ask of one person. Yeah. This, yeah. this legacy uh, of the Jedi, that's on you now. You got to carry that on. It's like, damn, that's daunting. <laughs> you know? So like, yeah, that's no wonder he struggled. Yeah. yeah. Well, on, on and, that note, uh, sorry, Jason, just real quick on that note, I think maybe um, the, the point of the sequel trilogy is compassion for ourselves where, you know, Luke was able to, to figure out having compassion for, you know, the people who we think we're supposed to hate, you know? Who was Luke supposed to hate more than Darth Vader, this person who tortured his friends, right? And pursued him across the galaxy and spread so much, you know, death and destruction. Who, you know, who could he have hated more than that person? And then it finds out, wait, no, you have to love that person, you know, it, it it's almost harder, I think, to learn to have that same compassion for ourselves and forgive ourselves for, um, you know, for our guilt, for everything that Anakin couldn't forgive himself for. You know, I, I think maybe that's the point of the sequel trilogy. You know, moving forward, we're like, well, where do we go from here? If Luke has forgiven and redeemed Darth Vader, then why do we have a sequel trilogy? Well, because we have to learn that same compassion that we share for others, we can then turn into ourselves. You know, I think I think the sequel trilogy is very much more internal than than the than the prequels and the and the original trilogy, because so much of those movies are about, you know, yeah, having compassion for others. And what does it mean to give yourself to others? What does it mean to have a life of duty and service and to live for other people? You know, I I think the sequel trilogy is, well, how do you take that now that you know how to be selfless? You know, Luke. uh Han Solo learns to be selfless. Once you do all of that, how do you learn to have a life that's meaningful for yourself? How do you balance these two things? How do you have that external and internal peace at the same time? How do you have compassion for others, but then also forgive yourself? You know, I think, I think, yeah, we're finally we're at the end of episode nine. We'll finally have a, a balance, a well-rounded person, a true Jedi, and it'll be Ray. <laughs> Spoiler alert! It'll be Ray. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a I, great point yeah i i'm just like sitting here with my mind blown katie that's awesome oh dang yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the po- wampus Lair podcast <laughs> <laughs> katie just summed up everything you needed to know um yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> no but that's just so awesome katie like i i love that perspective of what the sequel trilogy is offering us um in addition to what the other trilogies offered us, right? They're all teaching us a lesson. 
Um, the, the thing is, is and it, 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 the lens keeps getting smaller. If you look at the prequel trilogy, it's huge, massive, galaxy-spanning. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, you're encompassing the the responsibility for the known republic, essentially, in the prequels. You, you shrink it down a little bit more for the original trilogy, and you're, you're you know, it's yes, it's the rebels in the empire, but it's also about. Uh, this family, you know, the, this found family and learning to forgive family that did wrong. Um, and now maybe we've shrunk it down even further for the sequel trilogy. And it's about, all right, now take that and do that to yourself, too. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, we, we keep getting a narrower and narrower, uh, you know, focus mm-hmm. for each of these films. That's an interesting way to look at it. Or each of these, uh, these trilogies, it's an interesting way to look at it. So, huh. I'm gonna have to do some more thinking and and watching of out for that now. So. Yeah, well, I we have that. two more movies to watch before we get to Rise of Skywalker. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that, Katie, so much. That's so that's so perfect. Um, yeah, Can I real quick, please jump into the topic about about Luke um, and the the Jedi Order thing. Um, and I and I think. You know, yes, it's a huge, major responsibility that that he is essentially foisted, you know, has foisted upon him. It, it's not something that he necessarily chose to take, but it was given to him, and he is the kind of person that will do what he can with that uh, to the best of his ability. And I, I think the thing is, is while yes, Luke failed with Ben. We need to be careful sometimes about just saying, because while Luke thinks that that failure is what defines him at that point, and that's why he goes into exile, we need to remember that not all of what happened was his was his responsibility. He failed Ben, but then Ben took six of his students and killed the rest, and that's why everything that Luke had fell apart, you know? It's not a total failure on Luke's part. It is a failure. He fails his his nephew. But it's not just a complete and total failure. But he feels like it because everything he built, he trying to restore the Jedi Order, is now just in ashes. And once again, Luke is the last Jedi. You Mm. know, even before the sequel trilogy starts, Luke feels like, now I'm the last Jedi again. I have completely failed and I go into exile. And that's why he's so freaking bitter. Well, yeah, it's, um, you know, Ben Ben Solo is responsible for his own choices. You know, I, I won't say that he isn't. I, I do understand why Luke thinks this is all his fault because, you know, he, he came into his nephew's bedroom in the middle of the night and brought a sword, yeah. you know, like, you know, all, all that stuff. So it, it does make sense why he blames himself. And, and, but that just ties into kind of what I was saying earlier about how, you know, we have to learn to have that same compassion for ourselves yeah. because if, if Luke had looked at Darth Vader, you know, if Darth Vader had gone into Ben Solo's room and Ben Solo came out of that room, Kylo Ren, you know, Luke would have had all the compassion in the world for them, but because it was he himself that messed up, it's like, well, I'm the worst person in the world now and I need to go into exile, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's way easier to forgive other people than it is to forgive ourselves. And uh and yeah, I think maybe that's that's kind of where the sequel trilogy is going. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, and and I know we're kind of like 
we're talking beyond Return of the Jedi at this point, but um, mm-hmm. but just to continue off that point, Katie, um, right? Like Luke when he when he's telling Ray, kind of uh, the first time he tells Ray part of the truth of what happened that night with Ben, but he says, mm-hmm. um, you know, when when the scene begins, he talks about how you know the Jedi were, you know. They were they failed ultimately because mm-hmm. you know their hubris, and you know it was a Jedi who who was responsible for the creation of Darth Vader and Ray's quick response of and a Jedi who saved him, and I became a legend. Right, like Luke understands yeah. that you know the galaxy itself obviously came to see Luke as this kind of demigod, which again is a little bit of a, me- a meta statement, right? To fandom, right? I think the the reason you st- had fans so upset, and again, I was one of them. I'm, I'm, I'll own that. You know, I was very disappointed with who the Luke Skywalker we got in Last Jedi for the first s- several months, um, and I and I and I have really come around to it for sure, and 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 really appreciate it. Um, but I think it's because we, for years, just in our own Legends canon, saw Luke as kind of this demigod. And I like that even Luke kind of in that moment as he's confessing to Ray recognizes that that's how the galaxy saw him, you know, even in universe. So when he fails to be that, you know, again, like you said, Katie, he's just so hard on himself for for what he stooped to, because, again, this was the, the, the Luke Skywalker who strolls into his nephew's hut that night is the very same person who strolled into the Death Star with his father beside him, knowing that no matter what, he was not going to strike down his father. He had already forgiven his father for all that he had done. And Luke would not strike him down. And yet here he goes, you know, this is 30 odd years later. He goes in there and fails for the briefest of moments too, right? You know, yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I am really, I get really annoyed with the Star Wars fans who are like, Luke would never have killed his uncle it's, or his nephew. It's like, did, <laughs> did you watch the movie? It's, right? it's so blatantly explained. They love to just brush it aside because it's not their headcanon, which just drives me freaking crazy. Um, and again, like I, I own it. Like I didn't love who Luke was in Last Jedi, but um, I also choose. I also eventually chose to just let the story tell itself and realize the genius of it. Um, you know, as hard as it was to accept. Um, but you have so many people who are just like Luke would never do that. It's like watch the movie. He didn't do it, and he chose yeah, exactly. not to do it. But sadly, he he was just he he held it for one second too long. Right? Um, yeah. So. Anyway, sorry. Well, I oh gosh, I um I'm so inspired by by what you were saying. Uh, you know how Luke walked, you know, into the Death Star, and and he had already forgiven his father. I I thought it was I always am taken aback when I rewatch Return of the Jedi because for some reason I always forget what, that part where Luke says, "No, soon I'll be dead, and you with me." Because I'm like, oh right, he kind of 
I think Luke saw two options there. Either, you know, he shows up, talks to his dad, and, and you know, and, and Anakin goes with him. Because cause Luke does make that offer. You know, he says, come with me. And Vader mm-hmm. says, no, it's too late. You're going to go, let's go see the Emperor. He's your master now. And so Luke's like, well, okay, then we're going up to the Death Star, and it's going to blow up soon, and we're just going to die together. And that that's okay with him. He's at peace with it, you know? He's at peace with the idea that, you know, we're all going to die together on this Death Star. I'm basically distracting you guys while my friends do what they need to do. You know, mm-hmm. that's why the Emperor having, you know, knowledge of the, the secret attack is is such, you know, a devastating blow to Luke, you know? Um, so I, I always forget that, uh, you know, he, he was so... He always saw himself and his father either dying together or escaping together. Luke never foresaw an outcome where his father died and he lived, you know, Mm. and and his father dies. Well, because of him, you know, because he chose to to fight him. You know, he took up his lightsaber, you know, and, and, you know, tried to strike down the emperor and, you know, that, that of course led to their, their whole big fight. But if Luke had stayed strong and said, no, you, I'm not going to fight, you know, uh, Vader would never have let the emperor kill Luke. You know, we know that now we, you know, we, we've seen the emperor try to, you know, lay down the final blow on Luke and Vader didn't let that happen. You know, so now Luke, has to go forward with the knowledge that if he had stayed strong and not taken up his weapon, his father would have saved him in the end and they could have escaped together. You know, his father only dies because he took up his weapon. And so I think Luke's sense of failure doesn't begin with Kylo Ren. It begins with the death of Anakin Skywalker. You know, Mm. I think Luke very much blames himself. And so he has to, you know, his forgiveness you know, his journey of forgiveness. I, I think Ben Solo's fall is like the last straw for Luke. That's, you know, that wasn't like the turning point where he feels great about himself on Tuesday. Ben Solo falls Tuesday night and Wednesday, Luke Skywalker hates himself. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think, so, I think it was a long time coming. Yeah. Can I, can I play devil's advocate for a sure. second? Sure. I just, sure. Cause I really, really love uh, this, this uh, path you're going down. Um, mm-hmm. But, so to play devil's advocate, but Luke then sees redeemed Anakin as a force ghost, right? And, and it kind of gets that beatific vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel like that plays in though, right? Because I, I really like that point that he still feels like he failed because his father doesn't escape with him, right? He, mm-hmm. he meets his demise there. But then Luke gets to see him redeemed. Literally, the force redeems him, claims, claims Anakin as its own. Um, embraces him in the light. So how do you feel like that might play into this, this path you're taking us down? I mean, I think, I think, yes, that, that vision is very much like a gift. Like when he sees the, the twin sons, when he's on Octo, you know, that vision is a gift because it does give him some sense of closure. I, I would think, you know, to know that like, Oh, okay. They're, they're all together and everything's okay. I still think he would have preferred to, to live, you know, to have, you know, saved his father in the flesh and, and lived with him, you know, a couple of years, <laughs> who knows? Oh, no. you know Here, I mean? Here's the yeah. thing to, to, to answer that. I think, um, Luke's sense of failure in that sense, you know, of, of, of having Anakin die rather than uh, than them escape together, 
I think that would be in retrospect because in the moment he's not thinking that, you know, I, he can't be thinking that these just there's not enough time. There's not enough, uh, you know, he, there's other things going on that he has to do and finish. And then he has to bury his father. Then there's the celebration with Han, Leia and everyone else. And uh, he sees the vision, but those nights, you know, weeks and months later, as he's thinking, laying in bed, thinking about it, you know, and going back over and analyzing everything and thinking, well, what if I had done it differently? That's mm. when that starts to creep in, that self-doubt yeah. and that, that yeah. sense of failure starts to creep in. It, it, it's not it's not in the moment. It's not right away, and it's not during Return of the Jedi necessarily, but it's it's in the weeks and the months afterwards as he's now got to figure out what to do on his own. And now that he doesn't have his father who can help him with that, that he possibly hoped might be able to, you know, to, to, to help him out on this journey. Gosh, yeah. Can you imagine you know, if he'd had his father there to help him establish a new Jedi Order? My goodness. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I don't think Luke goes into into all this expecting that to happen, uh, you know, with, with this whole confrontation. But there's probably a thought in the back of his mind that, that would like that. To be yeah. the case. I mean, you know. can you imagine? Yeah, can you imagine like Darth Vader surviving Return of the Jedi? Okay, Anakin survives Return of the Jedi. He and Luke start a new Jedi temple, and then Anakin is able to teach out of his failure. Be like, I fell so low. There's literally no one in the galaxy who was more wretched than I and caused more pain than I. And yet here I stand. You know, I, I have ended the horror. I can't take back what I have done, but I chose to stop the pain you know him being able to teach out of that failure that would have been incredible and you know and of course luke's gonna like blame himself like and and i'll just add that like you know just because luke sees obi-wan as a force ghost that doesn't mean he it's like oh you died but it doesn't matter because you're a force ghost like no he's it's still sad that he died right. you know <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 he died saving luke yeah so luke has had a lot of people die saving him yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people he respected trying to save him and teach him and things like that. You know, in each one of these movies, he runs across somebody that he, he's very, he gets attached to, and then they all die. No. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So, no. That's, that's an interesting way to put it. Interesting yeah. way to think about all this. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so, uh, to get off Luke for a second, not that because it's, it's easy to you know we could talk about him the entire episode because it's easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I I actually something Katie you've done with the last two films so beautifully mm -hmm. is is giving us Han Solo arcs, Han yes. Solo parts. And so I I have something about Han I wanted to bring up. Uh, oh good. I would yes. Have honestly, oh, so never even it. have been thinking about him if it had not been for you. So thank you. Because um, Han's my boy. Um, and. It, Interestingly enough, we'll tie into solo. Um, and uh, there's so, a shock. I know, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's so. You know, Return of the Jedi is great because it shows to us how how Han is such an integral part of the Skywalker story, right? Even though he's Han Solo, he becomes part of the Skywalker saga. Um, and Leia and Luke, they're going to risk everything to rescue him. And, you know, it says a lot about both Luke and Leia, you know, Luke is kind of hitting the pause on his 
further maturation as a Jedi. And Leia, and I think this is even a bigger statement for Leia, is hitting pause on the rebellion, which is yeah. something you would never think Leia would do. But they go in to rescue this part of their family. And yeah. he has been, you know, and as a result, he kind of gets claimed by a family and he, he has people now. Right. I love that line in solo. I mean, I love it because it's so sad, but you know, who are your people? I'm alone. I don't have people. I'm alone. Han has no. people now. All right, y'all. He's got people and they're called yeah. Skywalkers. Um, <laughs> you know, so it kind of like insinuated at the top of the episode, this entire film is about compassion and the power of compassion saving people and it starts with the save the saving of han solo the compassion of luke and leia for their friend han is evidence of how love prevails and it starts right in the first act of the film um so so i love that you know that even han himself gets claimed by this skywalker story and the compassion of the skywalkers are what save him um, you know, so I, you know, I just, oh, it's, it's, it's so perfect, you know, um, that Luke and Leia learned the lesson that their father told Padme. And so you might say that we are encouraged to love. <laughs> I <Yes>. love it. <laughs> indeed they are, Anakin. Indeed they are. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was kind of where my Han Solo brain went in this film is, you know, he he gets he gets claimed by the compassion of the Skywalkers and then what that does to him, too. Right. It's not just he gets saved and boom, that's it. Um, he volunteers to go on what's presumed potentially a suicide mission. Right. Um, and and I, yeah. I can't remember yeah. who who made this point initially. It's It's not my own. I just want to claim that. Um, it, it was somebody else in the Star Wars community, you know, made made the point shortly after Rogue One came out, though, that, you know, the Rebellion is well aware of what happened at Rogue One. And so is Han. Han knows what Cassian and Jin and Chirrut and Baze and all of them did on Scarif. And this mission that they're launching onto the forest moon of Endor could very well have similar results and yet Han volunteers, Aww. right? So that, that love and compassion that claims him is now something that changes his disposition, um, right? Empire Strikes Back, he's not particularly part of the rebellion still. He's still moseying around because of this the relationships he has with a few of the folks. But in Return of the Jedi, he's all in because of the compassion that saved him. Um, and he is all in like it's it's sincere. And I love that moment on home one. By the way, I love that it's called home one because, of course, they're all home as one. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's so perfect. Um, and <laughs> and I love that when, you know, good old Cricks says to Han, like, you know, um, is your you know, my you know, is your team ready? Well, my my assault team's ready, but I still don't have a command crew. And Chewie and Leia speak up and Han's immediate response to Chewie is it's going to be rough, pal. I didn't want to speak for you. That's oh, literally the, the Han we met in Solo, right? He's always asking Chewie to participate. He never demands it or expects it. And that's still the same here. He never speaks up for Chewie to do what's potentially a suicide mission, nor does he even speak up for Leia. Even though he knows they probably both want to be involved, he's not going to make that decision for them. So for all the fools that want to say that Han is just a scumbag, selfish snob, that is <laughs> just so damn wrong. And this right? proves that. <laughs> So Han Han makes that decision for himself 
and will not make that for others. And I love that mm-hmm. about him. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good stuff. And and you're right. You know, they, he is so become so integral to this family. They put everything on hold. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you're right. You know, it's remarkable that Luke that Luke does it, but more so that Leia puts the rebellion on hold yeah. for Han Solo. You know, yeah, and and risks not being able to return to the rebellion because they don't know what's going to go on with Jabba. You know, yeah. it it's it it could they could get hurt, they could die. You know, yeah. Jabba's no slouch. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. And he is an integral part of the story. And, and I, we've talked about it before, uh, that his presence, I think we think will still be felt in rise of Skywalker somehow. Oh yeah. You know, For it, sure. it's gotta be. For sure. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys know me. I've been on Han Solo watch this entire trilogy. I, I know. <laughs> Cuz I'm like, cuz I'm like, oh, he's Ben Solo's got too much of his father's heart in him. What does it mean? <laughs> and you know, when Han gives up the Falcon to yeah. uh to Lando, I'm like, you know, Han Solo is at his heart selfless. I mean, and he always has been. We saw it in Solo that, you know, underneath everything Oh gosh, what is it? Kira says, you know, I I know what you really are. You're the good guy. You know, underneath everything is this heart of a hero, and I think that's Ben Solo. You guys, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I mean, saying I, it. I, I think so too. The question is, will he allow himself to be the good guy? I think you yes. know. <laughs> that's that's the biggest question, and I, I still have I, I've said this since the get go is mm-hmm. Ben Solo is is feeling the call, feeling the pull, knows that that is his natural inclination is to be good, is to be you know on the light side of things, but he is denying it, mm-hmm. and he is fighting it. Yeah. Um and yeah. and Leia Leia says that about Han in in Episode Four. You know nobody nobody can choose his path. You know he has to make his own choices, right? That's that's Ben Solo. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Ben Solo. Da 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 da. da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have no. Have any more Han Solo talk? That's all I could think of for Han. But okay. thanks to Katie, I was actually on the watch for it for once. Nice. So. nice. <laughs> good, good. That's, um, that's what we do here is we bring all that stuff out for everybody. Oh, I, oh I, my gosh. Go oh, ahead. sorry. No, go ahead, ahead, Katie. I was going to say, like, watching Han and Leia, like, you know, just be angry and in love at each other. I was like, oh, that's so Ben Solo. Can't you just see him in episode nine? Ray's all like, I can't talk to you right now. And Ben is just like, oh, could you tell the resistance? Is that who you could tell? (laughs) (laughs) You tell Finn? Is that who you could tell? You just tell Finn. (laughs) And then just, you know, Ray's like, oh, just leave me alone. And Ben's like, fine. Uh, And he just starts to walk away. And then he comes back and he's like, I'm sorry. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. Ben Solo, you guys. He just needs to be a jerk for a little while. And then he's like, ah, never mind. I'm sorry. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. That would be very funny if we got a scene like that. Oh my can, gosh. I, can I 
I know we've done a lot of Luke, but can I circle back to him for just? I I, I was really excited about two little points that I I made in my notes that I just want to I just want to get them out there, even though they're random. Sure. Um, just connecting Luke to prequel characters. Um, the first Ooh. one is just I'm just I Luke strolling into Jabba's palace right with with nothing but the intention of negotiating for his friends right. He doesn't go in there with a, he literally doesn't have his weapon. He's put it in R two, mm-hmm. so he does yeah. go in there you know defenseless in a way hoping that he can be the negotiator slash oh, general, padme. general kenobi oh, oh yeah. yeah or padme sorry he's yeah. his mom there um yeah <laughs> and uh the the other thing i really liked about connecting luke is he has a very qui-gon moment when he chooses to levitate 3po it just immediately made me think of qui-gon um, using the force to dock the dice, the chance cubes, right? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. right yeah. Like, um, Qui-Gon would never, right? Like he says to Obi-Wan at the end of Phantom Menace, right? We cannot use our powers to help her referring to, you know, trying to use the force to convince the, the Gungans to help the Naboo, right? He, he's not going to use it in any big, you know, galaxy shattering ways, but in this little moment, yeah, he's going to make sure that, um, if he wins this gamble, he's going to be able to free Anakin. And mm-hmm. same with Luke in that moment. Like, he's not forcing the Ewoks to join the rebellion. He's simply just expediating the process of making sure that they're free to get what they need to get done. Right? So I just immediately thought, like, this is, this is Qui-Gon playing fast and loose with the Force, in a way. <laughs> um, and I just, I just really liked that. No, that's, that's good. I love it. That, that is definitely a Qui-Gon moment. For Luke Skywalker. Um, I, I got somebody else that we have to talk about uh, from Return of the Jedi in terms of looking forward. Okay. Bib Fortuna. Is it, yeah. Not in the slightest. Damn it. Those, those teeth can stay in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Emperor. Yes. And oh, more him. Import- yeah. And more importantly, the plans of the Emperor. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, they they are all over the sequel trilogy. You know, he is you know been metaphorically felt throughout this entire trilogy so far because of of, of what he put in place after Return of the Jedi. Um, but now he's going to be felt, you know, actually himself, you know, in in Rise of Skywalker. But the Emperor, he is. He is the most powerful being in the universe at the point of Return of the Jedi. Um, and I was watching, you know, uh, bits and pieces of the movie getting ready for the this episode tonight. Um, I, I couldn't watch the whole thing because I had to work this morning. But um, I, I honestly – and this, this has not nothing really to do – well, it has yeah, it has something to do with 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 the point I'm trying to make. But I I watched the scene where Luke is brought before the Emperor for the first time from Luke's perspective in a long time. I, I for the longest time, you know, the Emperor is one of my favorite characters to quote. So I always sort of just quote along with the Emperor when those scenes kind of come up. But for the first time in a while, I was like, okay, let's watch this from Luke's perspective. How is this affecting Luke? What is this all going? What, how is this going down? And the Emperor is terrifying because he keeps revealing that he knows everything. And he's okay with letting them do what they think they need to do. And and it is absolutely 
horrifying because you know that Yoda tells Luke as he's dying, do not underestimate the powers of the Emperor. Mm. Luke goes in there with an idea of what he wants to do and an idea of how things are going to go. And you can see almost instantly that Luke realizes he's way in, way over his head, way more than he thought he was. You know, uh, as as the Emperor begins to unfold all of this knowledge that he has and, oh, it was all my idea to let the Alliance know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just keeps going. And then, you know, he's also not only is he targeting Luke's hopes for what will happen here at the Death Star and the Rebellion's ultimate victory. But then he also begins to dig in at Luke's hope for what he wants with his father. You know, and and he says that, you know, by now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So shall it be with you. And he's picking at everything and he knows everything. You know, obviously not, obviously he doesn't know everything, but it feels that way. It is oppressive. It is omnipotent, uh, you know, from the other point of view, you know, when you're on the receiving end of it. And, and, and the one thing we've seen from Palpatine through the prequels is that he's got a contingency plan for his contingency plans. You know, he will plan and manipulate anything and everything to do what he wants. And we know that the First Order is a contingency plan for his death. Mm. You know, from uh, the the Aftermath trilogy, the First Order, that's, that's planned by Palpatine. Yeah. What is their point? Is it to resurrect him in a sense? Is that what this is all going towards in Rise of Skywalker? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe the point of the First Order is just to keep the fight going because Palpatine always needs there to be conflict, you know? He doesn't care. (laughs) You know, he doesn't care who's fighting. He just needs them to keep fighting, you know? Because it's like, I don't know, there was that episode of Rebels, right? Where, um, you know, the the clones, uh, you know, Rex... And and uh, and and Ezra, they go to an old droid facility, and you know, it's like, well, if the clones didn't win and the droids didn't win, then who did? And they look out the the mm. window and they see the Empire. You know, like that's that's Palpatine's mo. He spends this yeah. whole movie sitting back and watching everybody else fight. You know, he sits back and he watches father fight son, and he just laughs. Yeah, because as long as there's the conflict, he can endure. That might be the point. You know what I mean? The point of the First Order is just just keep fighting. He doesn't care what you fight or who you fight. Just keep fighting so that he can endure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he he gets off on the fear, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The oh, the fear definitely. tactic of you know, yeah, just creating this this aura in the galaxy of of this constant fear, and he's going to be the one to fix it. Right. I mean, that's what happens in Revenge of the Sith. He he tells a lie (laughs) about, you know, um, I mean, he takes a factual event that, you know, in the sense that Mace Windu and some Jedi do stroll up on him to kill him, (laughs) but totally (laughs) Mm -hmm. doctors that narrative to serve his own purposes and then immediately turns these heroic Jedi 
on their heads and paints them as villains. He makes them the other. He makes them something to be feared um, and gets off on that. And, you know, like and that's the emperor's M.O., Oh, gee, funny how we see that happening with leaders today. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like he – that's his – you know, so that's a great point um, that you're both making in the sense that, you know, what's the point of the First Order? Well, it's just to create conflict because wherever conflict is, that's the tool of the dark side, right? Like mm-hmm. violence is the tool of the dark side. So if the emperor has any hopes of coming back and whatever that might mean – you know, for Rise of Skywalker, because he is back in some capacity. He needs that conflict to bring him back, right? It's almost like, you know, what we learn in this film is that compassion can save anyone. And that's what literally happens for Anakin. Uh, But for the Emperor, in order for him to live on, he needs there to be violence. He needs there to be hatred and fear um, because that's what he needs to thrive, which is terrible <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um so and and you know think you know that that scene you were talking about jason where lucas comes before him for the first time it's also that great point where the emperor sees luke's compassion his faith in his friends as his greatest weakness right mm-hmm. um and we learn actually the truth you know luke immediately points out you know your overconfidence is your weak weakness which is exactly true the emperor believes himself to be a god, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's never been language of gods in Star Wars, per se. Um, and, and I'm very okay with that. But, you know, to use just, you know, our own language, the emperor is very much sees himself as a god. And, you know, with the, with the sense that he thinks he knows everything that's going to happen. But the one thing he can't see because he's literally blind in his darkness. He's blind to the light of compassion. And, you know, what he perceives as Luke's greatest weakness is actually the strength that will bring him down. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, I think no, in whatever capacity he's back in Rise of Skywalker, you're going to see the compassion probably elicited between Ray and, and Ben as what's going to once again undo his, you know, violent ignorance. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an interesting scene uh, because, you know, Luke. Luke doesn't feel like he's gained any ground, you know, in that conversation, because even though he he identifies Palpatine's weakness, which is true and Palpatine doesn't deny it per se, but he immediately turns around and identifies a weakness in Luke, which may be true. Mm. may not be but you know it's at least what he believes and and it's not something that you know and it, 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 it's something that especially after he told luke that i've prepared everything for your friends you know i yeah. know what's going to happen to them they're all going to die your faith in your friends is your weakness and you're depending on them to get you out of this or to you know get out of this and that's not going to happen you know so it, it's that whole scene is just completely demoralizing for Luke, you know, from the Emperor's, you know, for, you know, walking into there, having some idea of how he thinks it's going to go. And it just doesn't, you know, it's, uh, and, and, and so I, I just like, you know, with everything that's, that we're, you know, we're getting with how the Emperor might be coming back, might not, we don't know what, in what form he will be, 
in Rise of Skywalker, but he will be there. And just over this entire saga, we have seen the manipulations and the machinations and the uh, plans and contingencies from Palpatine ever since he stepped foot onto our screens back in the Phantom Menace going, what is it? You know, <laughs> this game of yours has failed. Lots of years. The blockade is finished. We don't know against the Jedi. And then eh, <laughs> maybe not, you know, I don't know, but it, it's like, Ever since then, he has been able to dance his way back up to the top. How is he going to come in to play here? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just, it's scary. Yeah. You know, obviously, it's the final movie in a, in a heroic saga. So he's got to be defeated somehow, if you look at it objectively. But, you know, from the perspective of our characters and everything, this is, this is terrifying. To have him come back, so yeah, yep, Ugh. yeah. No, that's you know, and uh, I mean, I, you know, I think my my own biggest trepidation about Episode Nine is, again, like I kind of said towards the top of the show, Return of the Jedi has such a beautiful bow on everything, right? The light side yep. wins. Luke's c- f- compassion and forgiveness for his father redeems him. The Emperor is seemingly defeated. The Republic wins the day, right? Like everything is perfect. And again, like we know historically that even in 1982, George wasn't really planning to tell seven, eight, and nine. Um, he was still potentially thinking of going back and doing a prequels. But I think at that point of the game, you know, up all the way up through the production of Empire Strikes Back, George, yes, he very much had a, he, you know, still at the time had a 12 part story arc in his mind. And then it got brought down to nine and then eventually six and whatever but and that's part of what went into george's telling of this story right like i you know early versions of the screenplay saw luke just walking off after you know burning you know vader's armor luke walks Mm -hmm. off he doesn't join his friends at the uh you know the ewok party but george Mm -hmm. chose to put that in there thinking that maybe he wouldn't tell any stories beyond this right so to me that's kind of what tied the bow so neatly so for nine, it's like, ugh, like with the with the emperor back, and again, depending on what capacity he's back in, um, like this is my worry is is like, well, man, is this going to undo everything that was done in Return of the Jedi? Um, I don't know. I I certainly hope not. And again, I I, I trust that JJ will have a good story for us. Um, but this is why, like, it's it's just so hard to follow this this movie up with another trilogy because it just, to me, ends so perfectly. Um, you know, the light side one, all is well with the world. And boom, we have a sequel trilogy 30 years later. And, and I know we're <laughs> going to talk more about that, you know, um, in, in the next few weeks when we, when we visit Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um, but yeah, that's why it's just, it's just so darn hard for me. Um, right now it's like man how are they going to bring the emperor back without compromising what was done in return of the jedi um so i don't know i'm 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 hoping that 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 they'll be able to do it yeah yeah no and uh i you know i think they will i -hmm. hope they will but you're right and especially since this is my favorite 
you know, Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi, it's a big task for me too, you know, that they have to achieve. It's it's you know, I'm hopeful and, and I've been holding judgment until after I see the whole trilogy. Um and it looks like we're getting answers. You know, they haven't told us any of the answers, but the trailers allude to the fact that answers will be given, at least some of them. You know, so I'm I'm hopeful. But it's it is one of those things where it's a big it's a big hurdle that they're going to have to jump, and I'm hopeful they will. But we'll see what happens in two months. Yeah, um, I'm all in, <laughs> all yeah. in. No, I'm I'm yeah. ready for it. Yeah, yes. I'm ready for it. So I think I think that's going to wrap up our our conversation on Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. For now. Yes, I'm sure we'll revisit things from this film in the in the future. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, no, great. That was uh, I, I just I love I love this series, um, and I love that we're going to break into the sequel trilogy in a few weeks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Finally, it's my time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I I need an excuse to go back and revisit those movies leading up to. Well, no, I don't need an excuse to revisit these movies leading up to the rise <laughs> of Skywalker. But it's a good excuse to have, um, especially getting to talk over all of this stuff with you guys, uh, leading into. The Rise of Skywalker is such a great way to prepare for this movie to come. And I'm really happy that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. So that being said, as promised, we have a very fun Return of the Jedi themed matchup for you. <laughs> I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> uh, this one is so on brand for our, our goofy, our goofier side, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Carl. Carl, why didn't you tell everybody who we're pitting up against each other? <laughs> Happy to, my friend. So we have one of the most epic showdown, showdowns in the history of the Wampus Lair podcast where we are going to pit Bib Fortuna versus Malakili, the sexiest Raincore Keeper in all the galaxy. Oh, and the Perfect. one that every and the one that every intergalactic dentist would love to get their hands on. <laughs> uh Man, I don't know where to go with this matchup, but I'm so excited to see what everyone else does. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I love it. It's hilarious, um, and we need a little bit of fun after that that very in depth discussion we were able to just have. So, um, but Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup or any of the thoughts that we had on Return of the Jedi this episode, where can people do that? Uh, of course, you can. Find us on Twitter at Wampuslayer. We're on Facebook at Wampuslayer Podcast. And you can email us at Wampuslayer Podcast at gmail.com. And Katie, where can folks continue to find you and your brilliant insights ab- <laughs> about the importance of self forgiveness in the sequel yes. trilogy? It is. It's super important. And you guys can find all of that at Poe Hot Dameron on Twitter. That's me. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. All right. Uh, anything else we got to say before we wind up this episode? That, that'll do it. Be kind to yourself. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Don't forget to be compassionate to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well, 
thank you so much for everyone listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 356. The Jedi have returned. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>